The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Our story in this morning's gospel is a familiar one. It's the story of the calling of the very first followers of Jesus and, and how their careers as fishermen were changed forever. And because we know how the story turns out, we probably miss just how unnerving this encounter must have been for Peter and his friends. They're on the shore by the lake, they're minding their own business. It's been a terrible day for fishing. And the beauty of being a guest preacher is you don't know much about me, but I am also a terrible fisherman and really don't like it. It's hard <laughs> and it takes patience. And these are two qualities that really turn a lot of people off from fishing. So it's very hard work if you are a professional fisherman. They have had a horrible day they are minding their own business now, trying to clean up afterwards, and along comes this wandering teacher with a crowd trailing behind him. In Luke's gospel, this incident happens very early on. Jesus has been teaching in the synagogues. They say that he drove an unclean spirit out of a man at Capernaum and that he healed somebody's mother-in-law of a fever, but people say a lot of things. And that guy in Capernaum, he was always a little bit crazy. And, and well, you know, viral fevers break whenever they do. Every parent knows that. So as far as Simon Peter and the guys with him, they don't know a lot about this teacher. And he hops in their boat because the crowd is too busy, too big rather, to manage from shore. 
But again, it doesn't take a lot to gather a crowd. This is before online gaming and TV. <laughs> so the teacher hops in the boat, asks them to put out a bit. He teaches, and then when he's done, he turns to Simon Peter, and he says, put down your nets. Now, at this point, if you read the gospel closely, you can almost hear the irritation in Simon Peter's voice dripping off the page. Simon has not been telling this rabbi what to say to the crowds, so why is this rabbi telling Simon what to do for his fish? Simon, after all, is a professional. But he sighs, he mutters something not very generous to the rabbi, and he drops the net. And then what happens? He catches so many fish that the boats are being swamped, and he realizes in that moment that he is not in the presence of just an ordinary teacher. He's in the presence of something else. A miracle has happened. Something has shown God's power, and therefore this teacher's God-given authority. And Peter, Simon Peter, is stunned and afraid, even as Jesus says, come with me. And in that moment, everything changes. Simon Peter decides right then and there to leave everything, everything he's ever known, and follow Jesus. And to, as Jesus says, catch people and not fish. Simon Peter still does not know exactly who Jesus is. It's a, a couple of chapters later before we get to Peter acclaiming Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. He Peter hasn't yet heard Jesus predict his suffering and death, and our story is a long ways off before we get to cross and resurrection. So Simon Peter does not yet have the whole picture, but somehow he sees enough, enough to decide to change his life forever. And his partners, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, go with him, and their lives too are changed forever. Their lives are changed just as surely as the prophet Isaiah's life was changed when he accepted his call, which we heard about in the first reading. None of them, the fishermen or the prophet, could have known what would happen to them, what they were getting themselves into, but they willingly responded to that call. Now, we know the rest of the story. We know that these three, Peter, James, and John, will follow Jesus throughout his teaching and healing work, follow him on to Jerusalem and on to the cross. We know that Peter, at least, will be a highly imperfect follower, but in the end, he will persevere. And we know from the rest of the story, the story of the early Christians who came after them, that Peter and his Friends went on to fish for people just like Jesus said, and that other individuals will encounter Peter, and in that encounter, they will hear or see something that will cause them to leave everything behind, their entire old way of life, and they too will follow Jesus because they encountered Peter who followed Jesus. And then others will encounter those first followers and on and on with Folks meeting folks and in them glimpsing Jesus. And you, you see where it goes. Here we are today. The same thing happened to Paul. He had an encounter with the risen Jesus, a vision of the resurrected Jesus that drew him to the faith. But after that vision, 
It was by being with other Christians that he learned the implications of that vision, that he learned what this really meant and learned what he then taught to others. As he tells the Christians in Corinth, I handed on to you what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and that he was raised and that he appeared to Peter and then to the 12 and then to more than 500 brothers and sisters. It's the basic Christian message that Jesus died, was buried and was raised and Paul received this teaching from other Christians. It did not come in the vision. It was not then dropped in tablets from heaven. It came through humans, passing on what they had seen and heard. They told Paul, he told the Corinthians, he expects them to tell others, and as we know they did, and on and on through the generations. And here we are. When Peter decides to leave everything behind and follow Jesus out into the unknown, he sets in motion a chain of events that results in about a billion followers of Jesus around the world. When Paul passes on what in turn had been told to him, and his hearers then tell that to others in turn, he spreads the story of this wandering rabbi throughout the known world. But you already know something about this firsthand. Think back to what it was that first drew you into a church. Was it a friend or a neighbor who invited you? Did you wander in off the street looking for you weren't quite sure what, only to find something that pulled you back? Or were you raised by parents or by grandparents who brought you to church from when you were very small? And then how did you learn what it means to be a Christian? One way or another, it is through other people that we glimpse Jesus and learn the gospel. And it's the same throughout history. One of the great pillars of the early church, St. Ignatius, found his faith through another man named Polycarp, who had told him what he in turn had heard from some of the first followers of Jesus. Or think of my favorite saint as a parent, Saint Monica, who's remembered chiefly because she had a boy named Augustine who would go on to be one of the great theologians of the church. Monica had tried to raise him as a Christian from early on, and then in about his teens, he kind of dropped out of church for a while. And you can read a PG-13 version of his exploits in what's one of the first autobiographies in all of Western literature, The Confessions of St. Augustine, emphasis on confessions. Well, Monica persists in prayer and in conversation with Augustine, and then as a grown-up, he comes back to the church, reassuring all of us who are parents of 10-year-olds and teens. But it's that same dynamic. Monica passed on to Augustine what she in turn had received from Christians before her who had gotten it from Christians before her. Even though it was not easy looking at the young Augustine to see how this story would turn out in his case, she was, like any good fisher person, persistent and patient. Christianity is an incarnational religion. We theologians like to say that on and on. 
And first and foremost, that means that Jesus came among us as God in human flesh. But that incarnational faith is also seen in the church itself, what Paul will elsewhere describe as the body of Christ in the world. Church and the Greek word behind it don't mean building. It means the assembly, the gathering, the people who have come together in Jesus' name to share the story of Jesus, of who he was and what he did. That is what we are. That is who we are. We come into this gathering and we stay because we find in the message of the gospel something worth hearing, something worth giving up all the other things we could do with our time. But we also come in and stay because we see that gospel lived out by the people around us in a word of greeting at the door that makes us feel welcome, in the compassion of a friend who knows just a little of what we've been going through, in the shared search for meaning alongside other folks, in the example of people who have walked the walk of faith as well as talking the talk of faith. It is through people, people sharing the good news and living the good news, that we are drawn into the life of faith. But it is all so contingent. What if Peter had given in to his fear, had said to Jesus, get out of my boat, I I can't handle this? What if Paul had never shared what he had been told? What if that person or that community that first shared the faith with each of us had never bothered, had been too afraid or too shy or indifferent? Fishing is hard. Most of us are not very patient. Persistence is hard. What if those people had given up before they had shared with us? Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people, Jesus said. And and catching can sometimes sound a little like trapping, but that's not really how it has ever worked. Again and again, we see that God works by attraction, and Peter and his fellow fishermen played their part by inviting others into the new life that they had found in Jesus. As we have been drawn in, so it is our job to draw others. Christianity is a living faith only as long as we care to pass along what in turn had been given to us. May we respond to this invitation with the willingness of Isaiah, the humility of Peter, the courage of Paul, and the persistence of Monica.